If you have your Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open them to Psalm 1. Um, That is uh, page 448 in the Pew Bible. It's also printed in the bulletin for us this morning. And as you're turning there, I just want to point out to you this morning that we are starting a new sermon series uh, for the month of February. And uh, this sermon series for February, we're going to be focusing on the Word, God's Word, and how it is important to us, how it is that God speaks to us through His Word and guides us into blessing. So if you look on the front of your bulletin, uh, you'll see a sermon graphic that's printed there, and it, it has a, a symbol and then the word bless. Now that symbol is called different things depending on who you're talking to. If you're on the phone with customer service, it's a pound sign. If you're talking to a three-year-old, it might be tic-tac-toe. Um, if you are on Instagram or Facebook, this is referred to as a hashtag. Everybody say hashtag. You all are going to know so much. So a hashtag. Um, if you're using social media, you've probably seen this and maybe even used a hashtag before, but it appears just like this. And it usually appears in the, the comment section of a photo whenever you post a photo. People use hashtags to label a post or a picture. And I'll give you a few examples so that you understand how a hashtag is supposed to be used. My mom is a chief offender of someone who does not know how to use a hashtag. So, a hashtag that you might use if you put up a picture of your sleeping cat. Hashtag cute, right? Hashtag cute, sleeping cat. Or you might take a picture of your living room on Christmas morning after the children or grandchildren have finished opening presents, right? And might say, hashtag messy. Uh, If you were to look at all the pictures, and you can search hashtags, if you were to look at all the pictures and posts that have used the hashtag blessed, uh, you'd see a lot of different things. You'd see birth announcements. You'd see promotions for a new job. You'd see pictures of a vacation. You'd see a lot of selfies. That's, that's a word for when people take a picture of themselves with their phone. You'd see pictures of animals. You'd see pictures of food. You'd see pictures of homes. The list goes on and on. There's really nothing that hasn't been taken picture and posted, labeled, hashtag blessed. Often, people use this hashtag to capture things and and label things that have brought them happiness. So they use this hashtag as a way of designating, this is something that has brought me happiness. This is something that I am thankful for, something that I am grateful for. And as we review these pictures, as we post our own pictures and put our own hashtag blessed on those things, certainly many of those things we're thankful for are indeed blessings. They're they're usually and almost always good things that the Lord has given to us, gifts from God. But when we talk about being blessed, what is the basis that we use to determine whether or not we are blessed? Frankly, I think when we are trying to determine how blessed we are, it can be very subjective. And sometimes social media can be an influencer, maybe even a snare. It'd be very easy to look through the posts of our friends and the pictures that they put up and the ways in which they feel they are blessed and then to look at our own life and say, I wish I was as blessed as they are. And particularly if they're not following the Lord, 
we might wonder, why is it that they have blessing that I don't? I'm just being real. It's so very easy for us to look at the thing that they post about, the new car, the new job, the new house, the perfect family, the perfect vacation, successful children, an easy retirement. You know, if I'm being honest, it's not even just on Facebook or Instagram that we get inundated with this. We might just need to look down the street or at the Christmas card that came around from our longtime friends. And we can be tempted to measure how blessed we are and compare how blessed we are by the comforts or pleasures that we have. The number of things that we could list out and, and label and say that this is something that makes us happy. But when that blessing fades or fails or falls away, are we still blessed? I think it's important for us to be able to answer that question. And surely God wants us to be able to answer that question. God guides us into blessing through His Word. One of the most beautiful things that God has desired to convince us of as His people is that there is a deep and abiding blessing that is found in relationship with Him. And so that's what we're going to be diving into more with this subject of what it means to be hashtag blessed, is redefining what it means to be blessed through a biblical lens, understanding what God means by the word blessed. He desires for us to know that there is a blessing that comes and it is not determined by any circumstance except our relationship with Him. And so that's what we're going to be looking at uh, more as we go through this series. God guides us to blessing through His Word. The Bible, the Scriptures, this book is a, uh, a book that is not ordinary. We don't treat it and read the words in this book as, as any other text. This book is a special revelation. It is God's timeless truth which He gives to tell us of Himself and to guide us into the blessing He longs for us to have. Blessing not based on external circumstances, but on the integrity of relationship that we have with God. And it's God's Word that tells us, that informs us on how we can find that deep and abiding blessing with Him. So that's what we're going to be looking at for the month of February. Uh, We'll be looking at some of the ways that the Word guides us to be blessed. And so this series is hashtag blessed by the Word. As part of this series, I thought it would be important for us not only to hear a preacher talk about why it's important that we are in the Word and how we are blessed through the Word, but I also thought it would be a blessing to us to hear how those among us have been blessed by the Word. And so at this time, I'd like to invite up Rhonda Tilden. And I've asked Rhonda if she'd be willing to tell us this morning how she has been blessed by the Word. Good morning. I used to read um, the Bible on my own as a child, um, but, you know, life intrudes, and you get busy. You want to read the newspaper, read other things. um, And I felt like a fraud, honestly, going on so many mission trips um, because I honestly have never read the entire Bible. Um, My Bible uh, fell apart, and I got this new Bible with giant print. (laughs) Um, 
and I am on fire. I have just been reading so much, and I've just been so blessed because reading the Bible has taught me so much about the character of God, how God has relented um, when someone asks for mercy or if someone has made an atoning sacrifice or has humbled themselves before God. Um, I've always focused on the New Testament, and I just kind of ignore the Old you know, Testament. Um, but I, um, I have found Jesus everywhere in the Old Testament, and it's just blown my mind. Um, wisdom is the understanding that comes from God. And how on earth are you going to understand God and be wise unless you get into the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth? <laughs> James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And this is exactly where you find God's word. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Rhonda. Rhonda, thank you so much for sharing this morning. Our first passage that we will be looking at is one that sets the tone for the rest of the month, and it's Psalm 1. So would you please follow along as I read it for us this morning? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As I mentioned earlier, God's word is given to guide us into blessing. It's a special revelation that he has given us. It's really, it's a means of grace so that we might understand how we can have a relationship with him and how we should interact with him. And so this morning, to go through Psalm 1, I would invite us to walk through this psalm, and I want to highlight some important things. We'll begin with the first word. You can see how this psalm is structured by introducing us to the subject in the first word of how one finds blessing. Blessed is the man. That word blessed is simply a Hebrew word that means um, happy or fortunate. So right off the off the bat, this psalm aims to guide us in answering one of the deepest questions and, and deepest desires and longings that we often have, which is happiness. It's even written into some of the founding documents of our nation, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America has tapped into something that God already knew everything about. We have a desire to be happy. And the psalm is showing us that the way to happiness is through one particular path. And it shows us this path by contrasting two paths, two ways that people seek out their happiness and try to find their blessed feeling. 
And so the first way is introduced to us by a negative emphasis. And it's the way of the ungodly or the wicked, the people that do not want to follow God's instructions. Notice how the psalmist uses three negative phrases to emphasize that blessing is not found in the company of those who set their heart against God and His ways. In other words, the psalmist wants to be absolutely clear, you will not find happiness, no matter how tantalizing and enticing and how encouraging or inviting the way of ungodliness may look, you will never truly find happiness. The psalmist is trying to be very clear and plain with this uh, trifold negative uh, emph- uh, emphasis. And so we see in these three phrases the verbs walking and standing and sitting. And these verbs convey a, a progressive intensifying summary of the internal attitudes and external behaviors of people who seek happiness outside of God. In other words, when we look at, at these phrases, the progression helps us to imagine uh, an increasing association with wickedness. That there's a sense in where you just kind of taste it. You hear a little bit of the counsel of the wicked. And then there's a sense in which at some point you begin to believe, yes, that's something I should do. And then it, it, the, the plot thickens, so to speak, and you end up identifying, this defines me. Right? There's an intensifying progression here. It gives us the picture of someone who believes and follows the wisdom of the wicked. They believe that they can have happiness apart from God, and then they eventually act on that belief. They stand in present company with those who live in opposition to God and His instruction. And eventually they seem to identify more with that means of life. The psalmist wants to be clear, this is not the way that leads to happiness. This is not how you will find blessing. Instead, the one who is blessed is the one who lives on the opposite path. Psalmist writes, the one who delights in the law of the Lord. So instead of being one that kind of abstains from the law, ignores the law, is hard-hearted towards God's instructions, happiness is found, the psalmist says, in the one who delights in God's law, who rejoices and enjoys the Lord's instruction. That's what the law is, after all. When we hear this um, throughout this psalm, the law is referring to God's instruction, who He is and how He is to be uh, worshipped and how He is to be followed and listened to and understood. Whereas the wicked feel scornful towards God's instruction, the one who will find blessing will read the law and delight in it. I think it's a delight for a righteous person because in the law they find so many answers to questions that are burning inside of them. They see how God's law perfects them. They see how God's law will direct them in what way they should walk and how they should live. They see how God's laws and instruction will sustain them. And we'll come to cover some of these topics over the, the coming weeks. And see, when a person experiences that reality when they see that God's ways really are the best ways, it is a blessing to them. And they delight and they want to learn more and more. And so in Psalm 1, the psalmist says that they meditate on it day and night. To meditate in Scripture is to read and to think about what you're reading over and over again. To let it marinate and saturate in your thoughts. By the way, this is a similar attitude to what the ideal king of Israel should display in his manner. 
in Deuteronomy uh, 17, 18 through 20. Ones whose thoughts and words and deeds are right in line and in step with God and His truth. It's at this point in the psalm that the two ways are now illustrated for us by uh, plants. The psalmist begins with the person who delights in God's instruction and meditates on it day and night. He says he's like a tree planted by streams of water. To appreciate this statement, we just have to remember the context of Israel is a very arid climate. To understand how beautiful it is, this image of a tree that is flourishing and bearing fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. If you've ever been in a place that is of an arid climate, you know that you will only find trees close to where there are springs and streams of water. And that's where they flourish. And they endure the test of time, even in the, the periods of drought, even when there's great difficulty. As long as the stream is flowing, they have great access to what they need to flourish. So the psalmist uses that to display how the blessed person lives. Then he uses, again, a negative statement to transition us to the other plant, the other illustration of the way of the wicked. He says, the wicked are not so. The wicked are like chaff. Chaff is the empty husks of grain uh, or left over after grain is harvested. So when grain is being harvested, the plants are, are collected up and they're put on the threshing floor. You might hear this referenced in Scripture. And that's a place where the grain is trampled and beaten to break the grain off of the stalk and break it out of its husk and, and to separate the kernels. And the next thing that is done is it's uh, winnowed. So the grain is forked up and thrown up into the air. And the grain falls to the ground. And the chaff, this dead uh, remnant of plant, is blown away. And that's exactly the term that the psalmist is using to describe the way of the wicked. Whereas the, the blessed person, the person that meditates on God's word is like a tree that is saturated and flourishing and it endures season after season. The wicked are more like a plant that it flourishes for one season and then is done. It withers up, it dries up, it blows away. And I hope you're catching the contrast here. Both plants have a season of fruitfulness. Both of them have a time of flourishing. But one lasts and endures the test of time and one does not. And the difference between blessing that um, springs up and, and a blessing that never fades is very palpable. That's what the psalmist wants us to see, that there will be times where we will look from our perspective onto the world and we'll look at people who are not following the Lord and we'll be tempted to think they have more blessing than we do. But the psalmist wants to be very clear and God wants us to know very clearly that the way of the wicked will not, uh, will not lead to blessedness. That the way of, of the wicked will actually lead to perishing. There's a big difference, a quantitative and qualitative difference in the blessing. Even though at times for us it will be hard to perceive, God wants us to know there's a big difference. Well, the psalm closes by summarizing um, uh, the theme so far and stating that the wicked will not remain when God judges. Just as the uh, grain is thrown up with the chaff and the winnowing happens and the chaff is blown away, so it will be on the last day when the Lord comes to judge. He says, truly they will not be counted as one of the congregation of the righteous. 
as one of God's people. They won't be able to stand God's judgment. When God judges hearts, the righteous will be able to remain, for he knows their way, but the wicked will not stand his judgment. Like dried up wheat stalks, they will be cast off. They will perish. And so the way of blessing is made clear for us in Psalm 1. The way to happiness is found through God's instruction, his word, his law. That is how one is properly guided into happiness. Instead of the counsel of the wicked, the blessed person will delight and meditate in the counsel of the Lord. Instead of standing in the way of sinners, the blessed person will stand on the side of righteousness with the precepts of God. Instead of identifying with scoffers, the blessed person will be counted as one of God's people. This psalm is very instructive to us, and it reminds us of the blessing that we find in God's Word, and it encourages us to seek out the truths of God in His Word. But it also begs the question, how does one qualify for this blessing? You see, there are two equal and opposite dangers in pursuing happiness or blessing that I think we could see in this text. The first one is the obvious one. There's a very real danger of ignoring God's instruction. A very real danger of presuming that there are other ways in which we can obtain true happiness outside of God and His teaching. But the second way that I think is present here may not be so clear to us. The second danger is thinking that we actually qualify to receive God's blessing. The second danger is actually thinking that we have lived righteously and that we followed God's law. To think that we can actually earn His blessing. We can't. The reality is not a person in this room has successfully avoided the way of the wicked. Not one of us. The truth is that in an effort to find blessing, each one of us has had a time when we followed the counsel of the wicked. We've each had a time where maybe we've wanted to stand on the wrong side of history. Maybe we've identified with the wrong party. There's been a moment where each and every one of us has failed to follow God's law. The truth is, at times, it's very real that we, in our sinfulness, might not actually find delight in God's law. Maybe there's a season in your life, and maybe it's right now, where you have felt like God's law is a moral straitjacket. Or it seems like He sucked all the fun out of life. Maybe it feels like a judgmental burden, where you read the righteous requirements that he has placed in his word, and you think, how can God ask that of people? Perhaps to some of us, it just feels like a dried up riverbed, where this feels like a book with a lot of stories and a lot of wisdom, but it just doesn't seem to provide us with much life. Because we are fallen people living in a fallen world, none of us has taken delight in God's word 100% of the time, None of us has had his word upon our hearts day and night. None of us has abstained from every form of evil. And so you see, it's just as dangerous to live as if you could achieve happiness by obeying God's word as it is to live in opposition to God's law. To think that God's favor and blessing is something that we can earn, that's a danger. You see, the problem is you and I don't have the heart for it. We think that we could follow 
the law all the way out to the letter, but we don't have the heart to do that. But Psalm 1 actually directs us to look at one who, like the ideal king of Israel, did have the heart to follow the letter to the law. The law to the letter. He would delight in the law of the Lord. He would have a heart for obeying God with every breath that he breathed, even his last. Think Psalm 1 in, in holding up this righteous standard And if we really, truly, and authentically evaluate ourselves and see that we fall short, it points and directs us to one who did not fall short of that standard. Someone points us to Jesus Christ. We receive blessing through God's word by the way that it shows us how Christ did it on our behalf. That Jesus did what we could not do. Because Jesus, instead of giving in to the counsel of wicked, he fought every temptation. You might remember, Scripture records this, he fought every temptation with the Word of God. When Satan tempted him in the wilderness, each time he cited God's Word. Instead of standing in the way of sinners, Jesus chose to stand in our place, taking the Father's judgment upon himself, even though he didn't live and walk in the way of the wicked, he took the punishment of the wicked, giving his life for ours. Instead of sitting in the seat of scoffers because he truly lived out the letter and the spirit of the law, Jesus now sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven in glory. The psalm points us to our need for someone to do it on our behalf. And through Jesus, we can receive God's favor and blessing. And this is why the gospel is such good news. When we receive Christ through faith, the Spirit of God works to purify our hearts so that we can begin to take delight in God's Word. No longer is it a a word that condemns us, but now it is a word that can bring flourishing in life because we stand forgiven through the cross of Christ. And so we also can receive blessing through our imperfect obedience. When we seek to obey the word of God, it's not our obedience that is meriting God's favor. We already have it in Christ. And now our obedience is a spiritual act of worship, is what Paul tells us in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And in that obedience, and as we are worshiping God, though it be imperfect, in Christ it is made acceptable. And God is pleased to see us obey him. And he showers the blessing of knowing him through his son upon us. And so we receive blessing. So through Christ, the promise of Psalm 1 can be true. It's good for us to be, and healthy for us to be honest with ourselves and to be able to acknowledge, like Terrence helped us to acknowledge in the prayer of confession, that we have sinned against the Lord. But His grace has overcome our sin. That is the life that God wants to give to us. That's the flourishing that he wants us to receive. And it's through the word that he not only reveals how broken and sinful we are, but how far he went to redeem us. He wants us to be like trees with endless resources to flourish. And that's how we can be with Christ through God's word guiding us. A book that guides us to endless blessing, a book where we can find infinite wisdom, a book that contains unchanging truth. A book that God gives so that we might be hashtag blessed. Would you pray with me?
Father, what a gift it is for us to have your word. For you to write down a truth that is timeless and eternal and preserve it throughout so many years of history and through your spirit to use it to speak into our hearts and answer our deepest questions. Father, my prayer is for our church, for myself, that you would reveal yourself and the life that you offer us in Christ through your word. Rekindle our, our love for you. Fill us with all that we need to flourish and produce fruit for your kingdom. Help us to recover a love and appreciation and gratitude for this book. That we may turn to it so that we might have everything we need for the journey of Christian life. Father, protect us <clears throat> from judging blessing by outward appearances and temporary circumstances. Help us to consider the blessing that we have, that you've given us in Christ through faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.